part three. One doesn't forego sleeping because of the possibility of nightmares. African proverb. Ch Cowboy. In ESL's class, we learned a new game called Interview. Ms. Hernandez says it makes us more confident when we use our English words. Plus, it's a good way to learn about our classmates. First, we have to hold a cardboard tube and pretend that it's something called a microphone to make our voices loud. I saw one once on a TV machine with a lady singing into it. She howled like a sick animal till my ears wanted to run away. I'm the first to go. I have to stand up and say five sentences. I say, I have a new job. I help Blue with her farm. She has a cow, three goats, many chickens, and a pig. I will go there after school sometimes and on the days named Saturday and Sunday. Lou says I can name the cow. <clears throat> I take a deep breath. I'm weary from my long speech. Next comes the interview part. That is where each student asks you a question. If they run out of questions, then the teachers can help. Nishan is first. Why does the cow not have a name? I take another deep breath. I like the questions best with yes or no for an answer, but this time I'm not so lucky. Lou says her husband called the cow, the cow. She didn't think that was such a right name. Very good answer, Tech, says Mr. Franklin. Aisha is next. You can call the cow Mr. Franklin. The class thinks this is a good joke and there's much laughing. She's a girl, so she needs a girl name, I explain. Now each person has an idea for a name. This isn't exactly how to play interview, but the teachers don't seem to mind. Ms. Hernandez writes the names on the board. Some are very silly. <clears throat> Mr. Franklin, Milkshake, Ms. Hernandez, Keck Jr., Kitty Kitty, Salama, Rover, Chiku, Angelita, Zlata, Big Mac. When they're done, Mr. Franklin asks me if I have a name in mind. I think for a moment. We have a word in my language, I say. Goal. And what does it mean, Mr. Franklin asks. I feel my face heat. It means family, I say. Ms. Hernandez says it's up to me, but I say I would like to have a vote because Ms. Hernandez taught us that, that that's how things are decided in America. We vote. Goal wins. Hamburger gets two votes. Nice job, cowboy, Mr. Franklin says when I sit down at last. The rest of the day, everyone calls me cowboy. It's a good day. The cow has a new name, and I have one too. Working. The snow and muck yank at my boots. The wind slaps my cheeks. In my heavy coat, I plod like an old donkey on market day. So why am I so glad in my heart? The work at Lou's is simple. Feed the animals, clean the stalls, shovel the front porch. But when I am working, my mind doesn't travel where it shouldn't go. I'm only here with the chickens afoot and Gull nudging for an ear scratch. Sometimes I talk to her softly. I tell her of my father's great herd and how they would graze each day, walking for miles, the sun in our bones, the grass whispering its shy music. I sing her one of my father's songs and listen for an echo of his voice in mine. She nuzzles me and flicks her ears and chews her cud. When I bury my face in Gaul's old hide, I smell hay and dung and life. She shelters me 
like a warm wall, and that is enough for this day. Gunwar, meet Gull. On Saturday, Dave comes to pick up Gunwar. They're going to fill out paperwork asking for a job at the places that sell fries. Dave says he can drop me off at Lou's on the way. Gunwar doesn't talk on the way to the farm. His face looks frozen, but his eyes are hot. He keeps rubbing the place for his hand once was. When we get to Lou's, I say, would it be all right if I showed Gunwar the farm? He hasn't seen a cow in a long time. I wait for Gunwar to spit out the word no, but he gives a slow nod. Dave looks at his arm clock. Ten minutes, he says, tops. We go to Lou's door, and when she opens it, I say, this is my cousin Gonwar. He'd like to see the farm. Be my guest, Lou says. There's a new bag of chicken feed in the shed keck. Gonwar follows me through the thick, crunching snow. It isn't much of a farm, he says. Hardly any animals. And the big road so near. Still, it isn't so bad if you don't think about it, I say. I shake my head. I'm getting very good at not thinking about things. We enter the gray, sagging barn. Sun and angry wind sneak through the broken spots. There she is, I say, pointing. Gonwar groans. Are you sure that's a cow? Our fathers wouldn't think so, I admit. I stroke her flank while Gonwar watches. She has old eyes, tired but patient. Gull is her new name. Gonwar takes his glove off his good hand with his teeth. He strokes her too. I meet Gonwar's eyes. Don't worry about the job too much, I say. What another man takes two hands to do, you can do with one. Gonwar puts his head against Gull's neck. You're lucky to have found this job, but you made the luck happen. I wish I could be herding, I say. I don't know anything about farms, really, except that they have cows. We stand there watching the cow's breath come in soft puffs. Suddenly, another big idea jumps into my head. I think that if I knew where such ideas come from, I would be a wealthy man with a thousand cattle and a flying boat. Stay here, I say. Keep her company for me. An idea. A few minutes later, I race back to the barn, stumbling in the stubborn snow. Dave and Lou follow. Lou has on a thick red coat and a hat with a fuzzy ball on top. Gonwar is still leaning against Gull. You, your cousin has an idea, said Dave. My grin is so big it hurts. You can work with me here, I exclaim, helping with the farm. All is quiet. Gunwar looks doubtful. He doesn't say yes, but he doesn't say no either. I don't have much cash, Lou says. You'd have to split the pay I'd promised Keck. But come spring, I sell organic veggies and flowers at the farmer's market, and you could help with that. She pauses, assuming that is, I hang on to this old place. Gunwar looks at me hard. I can't take your charity, but I'm taking yours, I say. You're sharing your home with me. I don't know anything about farming, Gunwar says. I don't either, I say. Gunwar turns to Lou and holds out his hurt arm. What about this, he asks. His voice is soft, but his words are shouting. We all look at Lou. Lou shrugs. Guess you'll have to use the other one, she says. For some reason, this makes Gunwar smile. He slowly nods. He glances at Dave. Can you come back later, he asks. We have dung to shovel. I laugh. It's much harder here, I warn him. Everything freezes, even that. Gold moves softly, as if she's sorry to make work for us. Dave shakes my hand, then Lou's, then Gonwar's. Folks, this is great, he says. Gonwar, don't let Lou down, buddy. He won't, Lou says. She winks. Dave and Lou leave us in the cold barn. I look around me. 
it's not a great herd I see dotting the grass like clouds in a vast green sky. It's just a tired flock of scrawny chickens and a cow with ribs trying to hide behind her muddy coat. But for a moment, as Godmar and I hum one of the old songs, we are where we would belong in the world. Field trip. The next week, my ESL class takes a field trip to the zoo. Field trip is another English trick, like raining cats and dogs and a barrel of laughs because there is no field and it's not a far trip like the one I took from Africa. We take a yellow bus. When we get to the zoo, we must stand in line to get our tickets. The other kids complain that I, but I am used to lines. One day in the refugee camp, I stood in line for nine hours to get a handful of corn. At last, a guiding lady walks us past birds and lizards, fish and butterflies, zebras and elephants. We're looking for animals from our homelands. I see gazelles standing on a low hill beyond a fence. I remember such animals bounding through tall grass, riding the air like wingless birds. I wonder, how did they come to be here in this strange cold world? They flick their tails and check the horizon for danger. They're safe here, but they don't know it. We visit the petting zoo with its animals for touching, who will not eat your hand. There are goats and chickens and pigs, a llama and a turkey, but no cows. We are supposed to be watching the animals, but I can't stop looking at the people looking at the animals. A, glass, a class of little children laughs at the pigs rolling happily in cold mud. Their class looks like our class, or maybe we look like them. Many colors and shapes and words. Of all the things I didn't know about America, this is the most amazing. I didn't know there would be so many tribes from all over the world. How could I have imagined the way they walk through the world side by side without fear, all free to gaze at the same sky with the same hopes? What would my father have said to see such a thing? My brother, what will my mother say? I walk behind my classmates to the next exhibit, but I am not alone. My family is with me and every sight is something they cannot see and every hope is something they cannot feel. To carry them unseen as wind is a heavy burden. The question, all afternoon my belly aches. Maybe I should have eaten more, I tell myself. But I know the herd of hunger well. Hunger is a wild dog gnawing on a dry bone, mad with impatience, but hoping still. It is a hunger I feel today. This pain is worse, one without pity, like an icy night. This pain is a question, the one my heart will not stop asking. Why am I here when so many others are not? Why should I have a desk and a pair of fine jeans and a soft place for my head to rest? Why should I have the freedom to hope while my brother and father sleep in bloodied earth? I should not take these gifts. I do not deserve. And yet I know I will take them. Warm food, soft bed, and fresh hope. Holding on tight as that wild dog to his bone. Apple. Before ESL, we have homeroom. I don't much like it. In my homeroom are only three other ESL students, and I don't speak their words. All the rest are from America. One morning, a folded paper waits on my homeroom desk. I think maybe it's a note to pass. I've seen other students hand paper to each other during the loud man in the wall as he named announcements. It's exciting to think I might already have a homeroom friend. When I open it, I see a picture. 
It's not a good drawing, but after a moment I can see it's a dead body made of bones. Hungry Kenya, a boy in the back asks. His voice has knives in it. He holds up an apple half eaten. None for me, thank you, I say, using my polite English words. And my home, I add, is not Kenya, it's Sudan. He tosses the apple across the room, lands on my desk, and drops to the floor. My homeroom teacher looks up from his newspaper. Can the flying fruit, he says. Of course, I don't want the apple to be wasted. I pick it up off the floor and throw it back to the boy. It hits him on the nose. I'm a fine thrower of rocks and balls. It is not my fault. The boy moved. The teacher gives me a detention slip. I'm not sure what this slip means, but I do know I'm the only one in class who receives one. I feel very lucky to be selected by my teacher for such an honor. <laughs>